Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. What if I told you imaginary friends are real? This is just so exciting. This Friday, get ready for the movie event with the greatest cast you've ever imagined. Showtime. Ryan Reynolds, John Krasinski, Kaylee Fleming, Fiona Shaw, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Louis Gossett Jr., Matt Damon, Emily Blunt, George Clooney, Maya Rudolph, Bradley Cooper, Sebastian Maniscalco, John Stewart, Sam Rockwell, Aquafina, Keegan-Michael Key, and Steve Carell. I need to throw up or I need a snack. It's one of the two. Gross. If. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Written and directed by John Krasinski. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Tom Fernelli. That's Bud Elliott. I'm Chip Patterson coming to you live at YouTube.com slash Cover 3 and all across the 24-7 Sports Facebook network. That's Danny Cannell checking in from Fort Lauderdale Studios, CBS Sports HQ, CBSSports.com. Lots to get to today. We've got uh, we still have, uh, we promised that we would be ranking our top available players in the transfer portal. Uh, we didn't get to that as we had to do an emergency podcast within a podcast during our Wednesday live show. Go check out our thoughts on Jeff Brom to Louisville there. News broke yesterday, probably going to be made official today. And then we will start to see what happens on the Purdue front as they look to replace their head coach. But it's nice that we got another day because we now get to rank these players in the transfer portal with a couple of names that are not going to be in the transfer portal as some of the more significant moves that we saw um, in terms of personnel that include some announcements about players that are coming back. We've also got some assistant coaching carousel news that's very significant, including uh, Deion Sanders reportedly headed to Tuscaloosa to go and get an assistant coach building out that staff for the buffs. Um, But we begin with you know, two stories, and and this is the order that they happen. Because first, there is the news that offensive North Carolina offensive coordinator Phil Longo is going to be headed to Wisconsin to join Luke Fickle's staff. There is, according to uh, Bruce Feldman and others, a relationship between Longo and Fickle that includes Longo interviewing for the offensive coordinator job at Cincinnati when Fickle was there. The news of Longo leaving raised a lot of eyebrows because of what that might mean for Drake May. Because if this offensive coordinator who has been you know, calling there with May for two years and obviously coaching him on the field to a very prolific season in 2022, if he's gone, and if nine, ten other North Carolina players have all entered the transfer portal as well, like it, is everybody bailing ship right now? Then, story number two, which we'll get to first, Drake May takes to Twitter to announce... With the cool lighting, nice little like effects put on the photo that he is going to remain a North Carolina Tar Heel. Huge significance for North Carolina, without a doubt. Uh, Drake May enters the season as one of the top quarterbacks in the sport in 2023. Huge impact on the transfer portal as now uh, those schools that are looking for quarterbacks. If you thought that May was going to be available, now you take him off the board. Now you start to look other places before we get to the Longo side of this, because good it, Wisconsin fans, buckle up. Life's about to be real different than what you've gotten used to in terms of uh, Wisconsin Badgers offensive football. What do we make about Drake May's announcement uh, that he's going to be back at North Carolina next season? Woo! Let's yeah. go! Come on! <laughs> good day for the Fired ACC. Up. ACC boys get to celebrate. Jeff Brom Big is going to Louisville. You know, Louisville was able to get him uh, out of Purdue, and Drake May is not going to Alabama or Ohio State. 
Like that, uh, star big, power has been solidified in the Atlantic Coast Conference. Broke big, conference, yes, but like at least they got star power. Big, big news. There are two reasons why I'm on the show today. Because I was going to, I got so much going on. I'm traveling to uh, Philly for Army Navy. I had a bunch of contracts, trying to get stuff done at the house. But there were two reasons I want to come on. One, I thought about those raps that we got from all our listeners where they're putting up eight, 9,000 minutes on cover three. I was like, I, I, I can't just take a day off. Like, I can't, I can't, I got, I got to prioritize being here for the people. And number two was Drake May coming back because this is massive news for Carolina fans. And I know like they're dealing with some losses here too with the coach, but think about what this will do for recruiting. Think about what this will do for other players that might be considering a similar decision later. Hey, you can stay. You can you can stay. I also I have a take on this because I know Mac put it out there early before the portal opened that 20 teams had had reached out. I think this is like one of those things that are, it's untouchable. Like if people still come after Drake May, I almost hope Carolina, I wish Carolina or somebody would put him on blast. Like cuz I think they're still going to come. They're still probably going to come with offers. I mean, this is we Jordan Addison was secured to pit supposedly, and they had deals lined up and they thought it was enough. And then he ends up bouncing. I don't think you see the similar thing happen with Drake May, but it's one thing to tamper when they're up in the air, you know, and they're kind of di- now that he said, No, I'm coming back, leave him alone, leave him alone. Don't take our prize possession. It's, it's obviously huge for Carolina, as Danny just said, uh, it, it's also pretty huge for the sport, right? If, if he had gone, let, let's, let's focus in on the three teams that we think would have the money and the need and, and the prestige and the roster around him to actually maybe entice him to go. Not that they were reaching out, but just the obvious candidates. If he was going to go somewhere, Ohio state, Alabama, Georgia, mm-hmm. all three are losing their quarterbacks after this year. All three have pretty loaded rosters. Even if you know Bama does need to retool its receiver room. Uh, if he goes to any of those teams, they're instantly the title favorite for next year. I think we can all agree, right? I mean, just you put Drake May on one of those squads, that means the other two squads do not have him. So it does really impact the balance of the sport. I, I was talking to a director of player personnel yesterday, and you know, we were chatting. He's like, yeah, I think most of these good quarterbacks are going to get like a million for their final year. Like you got to give them enough to entice them not to go try to be a sixth or seventh round pick where the signing bonus is like 75K to maybe 200K, right? And, you know, like they're clearly, there's a lot of these quarterbacks that are worth more uh, to their schools for the final year than they are to an NFL team as, as a sixth or seventh rounder in theory. Cause you, the money's not guaranteed in the NFL unless you make the roster, right? It's only the signing bonus is. So, you know, from that perspective, but he said, you know, with Drake May, I, I could see a team paying him like seven million, and I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't like fault them for doing that. I don't think he'd actually get that, but that's probably about the highest I could see them go for one year because there's just the only risk is injury. There's no bust risk really because you know the guy can already play, right? And like un, unlike giving let's say eleven million to the number two rated high school quarterback out there over four years, that has injury risk, but it doesn't have bust risk. That, that's why you see in baseball. Like Verlander just got $86 million over two years. The only downside really is injury with him. You know the dude is proven. But I, I think it's just huge for the sport because it doesn't upset the balance of power within the sport because Drake may staying, at least right now. I think it's good for North Carolina. I think it's good for Drake May. I don't know. It's good for the ACC, so congratulations to the three of you. You get, you get something to cling to next year as the ACC fails to reach the college football playoff yet again. That's a so what yeah. a old way too early take. Where's the mean? next take? Come on, like where's the no, make? You know, I'll give you I'll give you guys some meat. If the ACC has a as a playoff team next year, it's going to be Florida State. Yeah. I don't think I it'll like be that. Clemson. Yeah. You don't think Clemson with K- you don't think that going into next year, Jordan Travis proven, uh Drake May proven, Cade Klubnick not proven, but potential is there. Who's the bet? Who who goes into next season as the QB one in the Atlantic Coast Conference? I think it's got to be Jordan Travis. Wait, if Drake May was not there, you mean? No, right now, like is oh, Drake, it's Drake May? May? Oh, it's Drake May. Yeah, no. So let me Drake ask May. you guys. Something. I love Jordan Travis, but it's Drake May. Me too. I love both of them. 
like sons. <laughs> so, <laughs> are are you paying them? Are you donating to their NIL right now? <laughs> no. Here's my only like. I think you've seen Jordan Travis on a trajectory that is straight up, and it's been going that way. You know, and it's been. I think the he started off low, and he silenced a lot of critics along the way. Where I'm starting to see, all right, man, maybe he could carve a Jalen Hurts type of career in the NFL. Like that's where I am with him, which is awesome. Are you guys concerned at all? And now you're listening to Oz, the biggest Drake May fan there was in the country. The last three games were not pretty. They mm-hmm. downright ugly. I think it was one touchdown, four interceptions, and you saw a lot of more mistakes. You saw him get hit more. And guess what else? You saw better competition. Last year at this time, we saw Tyler Van Dyke have a season. You know, this guy looked like a surefire number one overall pick. He looked like all ACC. Man, he could challenge. And Miami's going to win nine, ten games. Then what happens? Rhett Lashley, his offensive coordinator, the guy that he had a lot of success with, takes another job. He has a new system, a new coordinator, and Josh Gaddis. Things fall apart rapidly. And all of a sudden, like, I don't even, where is Tyler Van Dyke? Is he, you know, I don't think that'll, I don't think you'll see that type of drop off, but. New system, new coordinator. I don't know. Maybe new system. Maybe they try to keep some continuity in the system. But I just, I, I, I like. That's why I would give Jordan Travis the edge. More stability in the program. You know, you saw a team that can that has talent matched up against everybody else. They got to address that offensive line. They got to address the defense. It puts a lot of pressure on them. So I would say I would give the slight edge to Jordan Travis and put Drake May right behind him. Now, if you're, if you're talking NFL potential from what we've seen on one. I think Drake May clearly has the higher upside. Yeah, thirty-five touchdowns to seven interceptions on the season is yeah. still, because you're right. Like one touchdown to four interceptions coming down the stretch, playing poorly against NC State's defense, playing poorly against Clemson's defense makes you know being able to shred Virginia Tech and Pitt and Virginia makes it look a little bit less. You know, you know, competition should matter here. But Jordan Travis also didn't play well against NC State's defense and also mm-hmm. didn't play well against Wake's defense. So like if you look at common opponents, I'm not really sure. Obviously, he was better against Clemson than Drake May was against Clemson. I, if they're on the open market right now, I'm very confident that Drake May gets double what Travis does if they both hit the portal today. I, I think it's I think Danny's points are fair in that I don't think it's out of line to consider Jordan Travis ahead of Drake May. And I don't I think it's very fair to question what the sophomore slump or the possibility of it will be going into next season with the new OC. That said, I think part of the difference, because I was the big Tyler Van Dyke guy last year, I think the biggest difference to me is that when Miami switched OCs, I feel like they went from something more quarterback friendly to less quarterback friendly with that coaching turnover. I don't think with Longo leaving, Mac Brown is going to replace him with a uh, kind of a stodgier offense i think they're probably going to go with a similar route and play that same style so i don't know but they might not there's really? i don't know what they'll do uh, there so there is uh there's there's a side of this where some of the defensive struggles fair or not are being laid at the feet of an offense and an offensive staff that they believe was not built to be able to give the defense a chance to be successful. And I would not be surprised if one route is to marry an offense that is going to not leave the defense as exposed, not create those super fast three and outs, not be in a position where, like we saw North Carolina's offense at times, they'd hit the explosive plays, but the Tar Heels would turtle up and they would not be able to uh, sustain drives, and they would send the defense right back on the field. And I, I'm i curious to see you know, h- how they go with this because I don't know if they're just going to copy and paste what Phil Longo was doing, and I think Drake May can be successful in pretty much any offense based on For, his I mean, I think Carolina's player development and defensive coaching is hot garbage, so yeah. I don't care who they have on offense. Like th- their, their defensive numbers will look better if they play slower. But they won't actually be more efficient, probably. Like if you look on, on a down to down or drive to drive basis, they need to fix the defensive coaching there. Because last year we got rid of Jay Bateman; he wasn't a fit, right? Guess what happens? The secondary is still terribly coached. They don't play coverage very well. They don't communicate very well. Their their player development doesn't look very good. I I, do I think, think they the have defensive case. coaching problems on on that side of the ball. And <laughs> I agree with you. Longo is gonna like Longo is about Longo. Longo is gonna try to score points. That's what he's getting paid to do. He's trying to move up in the world. 
He wants to score points. I get from, that that argument, but like they still need to get the defensive coaching fixed at Chapel Hill. From a complimentary football standpoint, I understand the idea that the offense wasn't doing the defense enough favors. I get that. But you're going to blame your offense for being the elite unit on your team for your defensive struggles when, A, you hired a defensive coordinator the first time from an option team and then paired him with that offense. I did not say and it was then, fair. I just said that I, it, I think well, I, whoever, right. whoever is making the argument is who I'm talking to. So you're going to say that hiring Jay Bateman from an option team and then pairing him with that offense and like, oh, I don't know why this isn't working out. It's the offense's fault. And then you get rid of him and you replace him with a guy who spent the last few years sitting in a TV studio to run your defense. And you're going to blame the offense, which was the only thing that was keeping you in games for your defense being the problem. I think so maybe it's tempo free ratings. To be fixed. I think it's friction among the coaching staff, not necessarily like fans laying blame. I I think that there was just I I, I but think there was beef inside the defensive coaching staff last year. We heard that at AFCA. All, 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 all like, the infighting they had. This would be like me fighting with Bud because my picks are losing. Like it's <laughs> Bud's fault. Bud's picking too many winners and it's making me look bad. I mean, look, te- tempo free. So, like, let, let's let's toss out the argument that longer goes too fast and, and that that, it, that impacts the defense. Just on a per play basis, offense tenth, defense one hundred fifth in the country. Like, fix your own house before you start talking about the offense if you're Carolina's defensive staff. Mm-hmm. And they just lost Grimes, right? Yeah, like, they. I was gonna say they they are also yeah. among the top uh, teams in the country in terms of number of players that have entered the transfer portal, and it is overwhelming on the defensive side of the ball. So they're starting over. Uh, and Storm uh, Duck's gone. I mean, like, I don't Storm know if that's how big of a loss you think that is, but. Well, that's the, I mean, so it is a uh, linebacker, linebacker, a safety, defensive lineman, a cornerback, a cornerback, and a cornerback. Max not lasting more than the, in one more year there, right? Like it'll be like a, he's gone or retirement if they don't win something with Drake May. Because the recruiting's taking a drop now. Like I, I think people are like, okay, He's not turning these recruits into actual on-field results. We're not going to buy into this anymore. It, it, I, I don't think it ends well there. Oof. I don't know. You know, Josh Downs is going to be a good NFL. Like he's not. He doesn't have some. He has. He's had some NFL talent and and turn it in there. I agree, but I'm saying like turn it into wins, really. Oh, you know, turn it into wins. Yep. All right. So now the Phil Longo side of this because now Phil Longo is undoubtedly like yeah phil longo at wisconsin and also with luke fickle i mean not that not if there's friction with north carolina's defensive staff him and luke fickle will get along great it it is a good sign though i think that fickle is not trying to run he's not trying to be like defensive coordinator as head coach guy which he kind of did i'm not sure it's the best move though no, I, I, I agree. Like maybe the hire isn't the best move, but I do. I kind of like that rather than uh, you could do what Justin Wilcox did at Cal and hire Musgrave, a guy who's going to run super slow tempo, really old concepts. It'll make your defensive numbers look good because you only have to de- defend 55 plays a game, but you, you won't have an offense that can help you in big games. My cons- it's, it's an interesting hire. It's going to be really interesting to watch because Wisconsin has – built with what it is on a certain identity that they now seem to be moving away from. But the thing is with Longo's offense, like it's, it's an air raid principle wise, as far as spreading things out, but they're just, they're perfectly happy running the ball. So I I think that'll work. But my question is like, you've seen it in the big 10, especially in the big 10 West for every, every single time it happens. We saw when Rich Rod went to Michigan, they try to stop playing "quote unquote" Big Ten style football, and unless you have Ohio State talent, it usually doesn't work out very well. Especially because the weather in Madison late in the year doesn't really go well with that kind of offense. It's hard to find the skill players in that area that fit in that kind of offense. So the recruiting is going to have to change. Their footprint's going to have to change. Maybe the transfer portal helps the the advent of the portal helps make this a lot easier to pull off. But like, look what happened with Scott Frost in Nebraska. It's the same thing I've been talking about for years. Nebraska is trying to still be the team it was in the Big Twelve. You can't do that in the Big Ten. And now I feel like Wisconsin's trying to go that route. Now, 
of course, Purdue just reached the Big Ten championship game being that program. But Purdue's always been about the quarterback and putting other guys around him, being a quarterback first. And I think that's why they're going to go that direction again when they make a new hire. So they've been like the outlier in that. It's. I'm not saying it's not going to work. I will just say that when the announcement was made and it happened, it was really eyebrow-raising for me because I do wonder if Wisconsin can succeed playing that style of offense. And especially how I will take transition because none of the guys on that offense are built for that offense right now. I seen a mean and disrespectful joke that made me laugh that Phil Longo is going to walk into the wide receiver room and ask why it's only walk-ons. Yeah. He's going to look at, he's going to look around and be like, "All right, so where are the the real wide receivers? The scholarship guys?" Because I'm looking at these skill players right now and I I, I don't know how we're going to run this offense with who we have. It was a mean and disrespectful joke, but it made me laugh. And Wisconsin's lack of elite pass catchers does kind of back up uh, where that the root of that joke came from. He um, he's also had really good quarterbacks at mm-hmm. Carolina. Sam Howell and Drake may have been spectacular. Who the heck is playing? I mean, uh, to your point, they got to bring somebody's got to bring with him. I did see. I think Jacoby Criswell. I, I'm assuming they had a good relationship. Maybe he brings him with him, familiarity with the system you know, highly rated QB coming out. That could work. Um, I'm more worried about the weather, kind of what you guys are saying. There's a significant difference even between yes. Columbus, where, yes, they have the four- and five-star talent, where in the month – I was just doing a little weatherman research. It's 20 degrees cooler, colder, on average, in the month of November in Madison than it is in Columbus. Windy you know, it's an average of 60 in November in Columbus, average of 40 in Madison. And like to be like, if you really want to look at it, you're going to get some cold, blustery days. And by the way, I mean, that was a very unique circumstance in Northwestern. But look what happened to that offense when they couldn't throw mm-hmm. it. And that's a good with all that talent. They couldn't get anything going offensively. So I think that is a unique situation that's going to be they might come out guns blazing and just lighten up people in the month of September. And then when it gets cold, you better have some balance or else you could face some serious issues. Also, like, like the pro I, team it, in Wisconsin. Yeah. <laughs> right. And like, it's only one game too. Like you mentioned what happened in Northwestern. What happened to Ohio State last year when it went to Ann Arbor and it was snowing and windy? The offense completely stalled out. Yep. that That's fair. And I'm, I'm not saying Longo is a home run higher. I'm just saying like, like, number one, I am encouraged that you have a defensive head coach who's not trying to win with only defense. Like Fickle's mm-hmm. not trying to pull a must. Oh, yeah. So that that is somewhat encouraging. I'll also note that Wisconsin – uh, their their offense has been going down every year for the last three, like significantly. They, they do not pound people anymore. They're not dominant or physical up front. They don't scare anybody when, mm. when they block you. Like Braylon Allen's a good back, but they are not going from an effective offensive system to to this. They're going from I, an ineffective offensive system. So like they could make improvements even if it's not the ideal hire. I don't think it was the system. I think it was the offensive line and the just complete dedication to a quarterback who clearly wasn't working out. That's fair. We'll see if Graham Mertz ends up making anybody's top five available players in the portal uh, a little bit later on in the show. Another name that is not going to be in the portal is the record-setting quarterback at UTSA. Frank Harris, who does have a year of eligibility left, is announced that he will be back for the Roadrunners next season after leading that team to a Conference USA championship. This is obviously huge for Jeff Trailer, a coach that we like and, and talk about a lot here um, on this show. It comes with a new NIL deal, which kind of shows as UTSA is making it splash in the American Athletic Conference that UTSA is very, very much trying to be a player in one of the conferences that we view as being competitive for uh, the sixth best conference in college football, which you know for next year doesn't mean as much as it does when the playoff expands, but a, a great sign for UTSA. Uh, were we surprised that Frank Harris didn't want to test the open market or, or show up somewhere else and, and all of a sudden be a starting quarterback in a power conference? I am because I think he can play. Like, he is a stud. Uh, We've seen a lot of them. uh, When I go to New York on the weekends and do the CBS Sports, we've seen a lot of UTSA game, including the championship game, which might have been his best performance of his career. I think he could have easily got more money from a Power 5 school. His game, he can throw it. He can run it. He makes great decisions. His teammates love him. 
I think this is another one of those good for college football. I think this is one where if he made it as a business decision, he might have gone somewhere else. You know, um, I know Jeff Trailer's got to be absolutely thrilled. And I was thinking about this because I think what you said, Chip, is important. The fact that they are because he's won back to back conference champion, uh, you know, conference USA titles. So, like, what else is there to prove? Well, you're going to American, so you have enough. You can win a different conference your first year there. So I think that entices him. I think he'll get more exposure. I don't know if he'll be in the Heisman conversation. Maybe he feel he'll get more exposure for that conversation. I don't know if he has a realistic chance to do to win it, but he'll get more exposure. He'll get better airtime, and he'll get better competition. So if his end goal is to go to the NFL, I think it's it's a good move. Like I, I love it. I think he's either great kid. Everything's great about him. Um, so I'm excited for him. And I, maybe he's impacted too because I don't know what you guys hear on the coaching circles, but Jeff Trailer decided to stay at UTSA last year, did a 10-year deal. And I know there's, I know a lot of people have taken 10-year deals and bounced, but the fact that Jeff Trailer's there with him, maybe that was a lead that he took. Hey, my coach wants to do something special. We do too. Um, so J.J. Perez, who does a really nice job covering UTSA for 24-7 sports, he actually reported that, that – uh, Coach had a, an offer on the table as well this year to, to go to a Power Five school and, and was seeking more money for his assistance. I I agree with Danny. I think this is awesome for the sport. I mean, the guy was twenty seven to seven touchdown interception ratio. That team was beat to hell with injuries this year, and he really carried them to that conference title. Went for five hundred something on the ground, an, another eight scores there with the legs, and it it shows a community bending together to, to run this thing back one more time. Like like the, the city of San Antonio and the business owners there and, and the fans of the team are investing in their product, and they don't want to go level up to the American, which is a much better league than CUSA. Like, CUSA is pretty bad, honestly. Like, they, they don't want to go to the American and get embarrassed. And, and a great way to not get embarrassed is hold on to your coach, who's clearly pretty good, and hold, hold on to your quarterback, who's one of the best quarterbacks in the entire country. It's it's cool. Like, it, you know, it just being able to get a guy to stay – uh, is is good for the sport, I think. And with the NIL, you definitely have an option to it. Maybe you get a hometown discount, right? Like I say, hey, like, yeah. if you guys can get me close to what I can get on the open market, you know, can you get me 1.2, right? That sounds like a lot, but the drop-off between Frank Harris and whoever the heck UTSA could get behind him is huge. So mm-hmm. the drop-off's a lot too. I don't know. I don't want to even plant seeds, but like when I think of Frank Harris and a Hugh Freeze system, I'm like, man, Auburn – should have backed up the truck. Maybe they did, but I think he would crush it in a system like that. So they, instead uh, of meep, meep, you want the beep, beep of the truck backing up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that Hugh Free staff he's putting together, by the way, is kind of interesting. I don't know if you guys are taking a look at this, but it's uh, – I know there was some thought that, like, there's coaches all over the country calling and trying to get in on that staff. Uh, I'm not saying they weren't calling, but it looks like he's just putting the band back together. bunch of Liberty guys, a bunch of former old Miss guys, not uh, – not like a, an all-star go pluck it and spend a bunch of money type cast there. UTSA, kind of, go ahead. I was going to say, I was kind of hoping Frank Harris would consider reuniting with his former offensive coordinator. Ooh. Ooh. Somebody, <laughs> somebody in the chat asked if something vulgar would happen if Tom Fernelli found out Devin Leary was going to Illinois live on camera. <laughs> Maybe. We, hey, make it happen and we can find out. UTSA next in the American Athletic Conference has uh, Rice, UAB, USF, and ECU as the home games. Uh, the road games are North Texas, Tulane, FAU, and Temple. Again, very much a, a work in progress as we wrap our heads around uh, what it's going to look like in the American Athletic Conference with a new... To your, and just quickly, some yeah. of the names we've mentioned on here, we're talking about quarterbacks and getting the bag and getting paid. Think about how volatile the quarterback market is. The conference of quarterbacks, Devin Larry, Sam Hartman, you know, DJ Uyungale, who kind of you know came limping into the season, was very doubtful. What Tyler Van Dyke, like there, it is no certainty that you're going to parlay your success from one year into multiple years of success or a top five pick. So, like, if anybody ever gets mad at players for transferring or mad at them for taking the money while they can get it. There's a ton of examples of guys that have all these expectations of potential, and for whatever reason, things start to fall apart, and it can go south in a hurry. 13 days away from the early signing period opening and what we you know, call as our December National Signing Day, and one of the top players in the 2023 class, 
in just a matter of hours, you know, hopped on that phone, decommitted from Louisville, and just a little while later, committed to Texas A&M. We are talking about five-star Reuben Owens. He was the crown jewel of Scott Satterfield's class uh, as that class was starting to come together. Uh, Bud, what's the what's the big takeaway here with Reuben Owens? I think the decommit probably doesn't come as a shock at all. Uh, but you know, as as he hits the market, does is Texas A and M a surprise landing spot for him? Um, somewhat of a surprise, I guess. But Texas A and M is also an Adidas school, so uh, you know, with the NIL thing, I I, I think you kind of got it. We 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 talked about this. Like, would Dion land at an Under Armour school? Pretty sure Colorado's Nike, right? So it doesn't always work like that. But uh, that one, I would have anticipated it too. So Ruben Owens going to Texas A and M, not a a huge shock, but definitely a great get for the Aggies. I mean, w- one of the top two backs in the country, depending on what service you look at. Um, but it, it certainly shakes up the market a little bit. Jeff Brom's a guy who doesn't run the football a ton. And if you're Ruben Owens and you see Devin A. Chain, who yesterday or or Monday uh, announced, or maybe Tuesday, my, my days all kind of run together this, this time of year. I'm sure you guys <laughs> you know, do as well, especially since we don't have the traditional game week going on right now. Um, with Devin A. Chain deciding he's going pro, you have a lot of playing time to offer there. Even in, in the Aggies' worst season, they, they still – uh, you still get a lot of touches if if you're a, a back of a Ruben Owens caliber. And Jimbo, to his credit, we can crack on the offense. He has done a nice job when he gets five-star backs. Uh, like James Wilder probably should have played running back, but D- Dalvin Cook se- you know, seemed to work out pretty well. He also had Devontae Freeman. Like, like Jimbo does a nice job with backs, so it, it, it's a good fit. I think the one thing you can think of when you look at this Texas A&M offense, even as much as we rag on it, is, well, the running back position still works just fine, so it's still going to be yeah. attractive. You also wonder at the same time, like he's committing on the same day that a whole bunch of like former five and four star recruits have been hitting the portal in the last couple of days. You did the same thing a couple of years ago. Yeah. What mm-hmm. happens with that for Texas ATM? Like they are losing, they are bleeding out transfers as much as like almost anybody in the country. You know, the, I haven't checked the latest numbers, but you know, the likes of Arkansas, Alabama, Texas A&M all near the top, Virginia Tech, uh, even <clears throat> I mentioned North Carolina a little bit earlier, but the Texas A&M players that are hitting the portal all came with much higher profile recruiting um, status than a, some of these other players that we're seeing from from Arkansas, North Carolina, Virginia Tech, certainly. So what how how that work in the NIL era? Do we have any insight into how this works with the collectives and with the bag? Like, is it secured? Are contracts broken? Are you now like available to go strike up a new NIL deal? Well, Chip, um, a couple things here. Number one, I will say most of the guys that AM lost so far are dudes they were fine losing. They, they are guys who weren't necessarily in the long-term plans, dudes who you know, maybe signed in the class prior to last class uh, who were going to get jumped uh, on the depth chart, or dudes who they've already had to suspend who were going you know, like 100 mile an hour in a parking garage, for instance, right, and doing it on, on Instagram Live. Not always the, the best decision, or guys with active felony charges, you know, for for drugs, guys like that who probably were not going to make it there long term. AM's actually doing a surprisingly good job of holding their class together from last year. Uh, as far as the NIL stuff, NIL cannot be an inducement to attend school, of course. So, cannot be- officially wink, right. wink. Yeah. yeah. If the kid transfers out, the collective is going to attempt to not pay it. In most right. instances. Now, if the kid sues the collective and says, hey, you still owe me this money because the deal cannot be tied to attending a specific school, then the collective would have the option of defending that suit, right? Claiming the kid breached, blah, blah, blah. A lot of times you'll tie these deals to uh, an in-person appearance on a certain day of the week, which is uh, you know, unlikely you're able to fulfill that if you are a couple thousand miles away. Right? You're, you're not going to fly back to go show up at a bookstore and, and do a jersey signing every Wednesday morning at 10 a.m. or whatever. However, there's some complications to this. Number one, PR-wise, reputationally, you don't really want to be the first collective out there. That, Suing a player? Yeah, because then you're going to get the reputation for not not following through on your deal, not paying the player. So while I do think a lot of them will at least attempt to do it at first and make the kid kind of threaten it, on the other side of it, they need to just price that potential liability into their deals and into their budget, right? Uh, it, it's just kind of it's the cost of doing business. Mm. I have a question. 
Mm-hmm. Does anybody think bags of cash just stop happening and it's all, and I'm not saying Texas A&M, I'm saying it a lot of places. Yeah, if you've been used like, to dropping off bags. Men just went out yeah. of business? Like, I, I don't think they did. I think it still works probably better than any sort of, hey, you got to do this appearance. I think those are great. I think those exist for sure, like Bud is talking about. But I still think there are bags of cash that work just as well. And probably more so because you're a little bit more, like maybe you could explain this away. Like, and is the NCAA even looking into this anymore? Like, because it's such a wild west, do they even care? So it's on a retirement tour. I think you want to do it though through a collective. It's just easier to claim it. If you give a kid a bag of cash, like that's a couple of 500 grand, right? That's, that's a big suitcase. <laughs> you give that, it's going to end up on Instagram or, or TikTok or something. Right. But I, I got, and you can't pay I, taxes. And, and, on I, it. and I owe guy, like, like you don't you, have can, to explain where it came from. Can you pay taxes on it? Can you buy a house on it? Right. Like there, there are better ways to do this. Okay. You know, in, in some States, <clears throat> some rural States, right. Maybe the family lives out in the country and uh, you decide you want to purchase a very expensive hunting lease in their backyard. Right. Like we know that's been done. Um, stuff like that. I, cash still happens for sure. Uh, you still got to you know, grease the high school coach to take the kid up on a visit or mm-hmm. to sometimes you got to uh, you got to grease the kid to uh, all of a sudden have some car trouble and not make the visit. That's been, you know, discussed for a couple days in a row oh. on a certain certain school. Right. Like sometimes like I, I'm considering taking a visit to this other school is, hey, I'm a little short on gas money here. Uh, you know, I'd rather just sit home, and play Xbox than, than go take a seven hour trip. So if you make it worth, worth my while, I'm not going to make that trip. Right. Danny's not wrong. Like the bagman stuff still happens, I believe. But the really big numbers, I do think, get done through the collective process. Am I the only one that's starting to think some of these numbers that get thrown around for NIL are no different than Bitcoin? Ha! <laughs> I think, I think a lot, I, there's a lot of websites that have NIL value yes. that's, that drive yeah. me insane because I think they're now I'm, I'm also one that didn't think we would see some of the numbers we are. But I think there's way too much assuming, and I think this is one of the downsides for players, and I've talked to some coaches about this. These players, and I'm not talking about the Drake Mays and the bright, you know, the top-tier players, they go on there and they say, oh, I'm worth 30 grand? Let's go. Where's my 30 grand? And they get out there and they're like, they realize quickly it is not a real number. So, yes, Tom, it is 100% a lot like Bitcoin. If you guys are, uh, are a podcast listener and you don't watch us on YouTube, Make sure you check out our YouTube shorts section because I actually shot something on this yesterday explaining how the demand curve is not represented correctly right now by these websites out there. The, like the bottom 30 or roster is not worth more than their scholarship. Okay. So don't hit the portal if you if your NIL valuation on whatever of these junk websites that you want to go on says it's worth like 30K because more than likely you're going to find 0K. They need to save it for the guys who are really worthwhile. Yeah, I don't, <clears throat> I, I don't know how, uh, I don't know how you would come up with a real calculation for all of these players in the portal. That's what I'm saying. Is there like any like paperwork that like proves how much anybody's getting? No, they like, so have like some, it's yes, proprietary there formulas that no. look at Instagram followers and no, but I'm I'm talking about for like actual deals. Like, is there actual paper trails? Yeah, the players are, are supposed to report it to the school. But the does the school don't report it? No, they don't. Okay. So so a kid could say I got seven figures, and in reality, he's getting maybe five or six. Yeah, but like if you know guys who you've known in the industry for a long time who say, like, hey, we offered this kid 1.5 a year mm-hmm. and didn't come close. I do think like some of these these high school kids are legitimately getting like three million a year to play quarterback. What happens if you the protection I'm curious about? What happens if you take because I think there was a pretty high profile player last year who went to the West Coast who at his previous school they tried to set him up pretty nicely with an NIL and then he left and got the bag on the West Coast at a place in Los Angeles. Um, what happens? Can that because that NIL then I think they have a legit beef and like I, I'd be pissed, I'd be trying to go after him too and get the money back if How there was some taking. How much is that trophy this 
theoretical quarterback will probably be taking home in a couple days worth. Can he like Oh, I'm not I was actually oh, I think he was talking about, about receiver. a receiver one. I was talking far east. Oh a, I was oh. thinking of a, a different ACC player. <laughs> oh, okay. Who won okay. a very prestigious award last year. Gotcha. Then, uh, gotcha. Not not the one who's going to use all that NIL money for um, manicures. Right, exactly. Yes. My bad. I misunderstood. Different yes, players. I should have said further east because there was there were quite a few. Um. Yeah. I, the the May transfer of that wide receiver didn't didn't come with the the same sort of blowback as the January transfer of the quarterback. Right. Who might be hoisting a trophy? On but even Saturday. that one, they kind of acted like it was up in the air. Where's he going to go? I think that deal was sealed long well, before. Well, there was that the Wisconsin well. moment. I mean, yeah. Like, yeah. We, we, for a second, that was like, great smoke screen. That oh, was yeah. great. I mean, well, well Bobby of- Ingram has a relationship. <laughs> like, think of, think of the whirlwind going off subject here. Think of the whirlwind Wisconsin fans have dealt with. There was last year where they thought for a minute they were getting Caleb Williams. Yesterday, there was two hours where they thought they were getting Drake May. Oh, <laughs> like, I do think, though, I, I don't think you are seeing non-quarterbacks get more than a million per year in the portal. Like, th- like if you wanted, like, wh- where do we throw the BS flag? Wh- where do we draw the line? I would say there. I mean, maybe like a really top defensive end or something like that if you get in a bidding war or if some G5 school had like a legit top 10 pick type player at left tackle who as a sophomore and he had one year left, I, I could see him getting like a million for his final year. But I, I really think it's quarterbacks only getting getting the, the seven figures per year I, I other than that i have not heard that i know bruce feldman yesterday said that a uh, a defensive player who didn't have very much production i think he said he only had four sacks uh got over half a million last year uh for one year and that's pretty easy to figure out who that was i, I, I mean i nebraska uh, won a pretty notable transfer portal uh thing late in the year so you don't think the jordan addison money's real i don't know how much per year you know that, that's that's a really interesting question um, but he's he just won the Blitnikov. He's projected as like a top ten guy. What what are we saying real? Like what have we seen for for Addison? I had heard last year like three was the number per year. Well, I mean, it's, I, it's only one I, year, would be, right? I would be shocked about if Jordan, he's if going. Jordan it wouldn't be. Year. It would be only for one year. Jordan Addison's yeah. going pro. That's right. Yeah, I I would be surprised about that. I really would. Um, and maybe it was a two year. Like, hey, if things maybe it was one and a half. One, and, like, who knows? Maybe I'd there were sure. bonuses like. It depending on what you did, but it was like an actual contract, you know. Who knows? Oh my goodness! I'm just all happy right. that there's no regulation. Speak speaking of all the bag, what if we had a limitless nil funds? What if we didn't care about the relationships between the players inside the meeting room? Who would we be going after for the top available players currently in the portal? Our top five available in the transfer portal and. More buzz from the assistant coaching carousel coming up next. Hello, everyone. It's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search The Rest is Football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meets. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does. (laughs) Nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Back here on the Cover 3 podcast. And yes, before we get out of here, our official Army-Navy picks. If you didn't already know which way we're going with this, maybe, oh, maybe we will have a, maybe Bud's going to be anti-American again. We'll we'll see. Okay, but first, uh, let's go ahead and let's do our top players available in the transfer portal. Uh, I got mine listed one through five. Let's, uh, let's, Let's go ahead and let's hit 
uh, let's all let's all do our top five, and then we can start to pick out some of the um, the ones that stand out. Tom, what does your one through five look like? My one through five. Now, I didn't want to pick multiple quarterbacks, so I only picked one. Uh, but at one, my QB, I have Hudson Card from Texas. The person in the chat asked earlier if I would do something uh, outrageous on the show if Dev- Devin Leary announced his commitment to Illinois as we were live. I would be very happy if Devin Leary committed to Illinois and played for the Illini next year. I'd be happier if Hudson Card did. Uh, after that, I've got Jaheim Bell, the tight end from South Carolina, who I think is a very, very interesting and unique talent that could be used in a lot of different ways in the right offense, and I feel like he would be used correctly in my offense. Uh, at corner, I like J.Q. Hardaway from Cincinnati. I just like him. I watch, Whenever I watched the Bearcats defense this year, I didn't think it was nearly as good as last year's unit was, but I thought Hardaway was a pretty good player. I think he's got. I think he can get better. Uh, edge rusher, I think McCullough going from Dace. Is it Dason or Dasan? It's Dasan. Dasan okay. Sean is what I was told. Okay, so I thought I thought he. Would, yeah, I thought him going to Oklahoma from Indiana. I think is a good pickup for the Sooners. I like him a lot. I think he's going to be impactful. And then at number five, the guy I saw playing for my G5 team. Chip, you remember when we adopted G5 teams? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a guy we saw from my G5 team that I still love and I still watch to this day. You know, I love Olu Oluwatimi. Here's another big impact transfer center. Thinks going to have a huge impact in a Power 5 program next year. Avery Jones from East Carolina. Is he maybe going to Champagne? I don't know. I'm just <laughs> saying. I think he's going to have a major impact at a Power 5 program next year. Tom has a, a keen eye for this offensive mm. lineman from ECU, pulling one deep out of the cut for his number five spot. All right, so I had two from Tom's top five. My number one is Fentrell Cypress, the second uh, def- from Virginia, phenomenal defensive player and somebody who is uh, – probably going to have the opportunity to go and start uh, basically anywhere that he goes. Hudson Card is my top QB. I agree with you there. He is number two on my overall list. Uh, I went back over Hudson Card's performances, and there wasn't a lot of bad, and there also wasn't a lot of healthy. I kind of feel like if he is 100% healthy uh, and able to get a fresh start somewhere, that Card could really be successful. Uh, For my number three, I'm going with Ball State running back Carson Steele. Uh, Really, really productive player, but also somebody that I think is um, going to not necessarily jump in and dominate an offense, but somebody that is going to be a huge pickup in terms of building out a running back room. I've got McCullough as my number four and then Devin Leary as my number five. I got a couple couple similarities with you guys. So Cypress... To me, stands out as as the player that I think even teams that don't necessarily need a corner, but like elite teams, will probably be going after. The the, the volume of production was there, uh, and so was like the PFF grade. He has the measurables. I, I think Fentrell Cypress is, is clearly one of the sort of no doubt top guys in the portal right now. Uh, Devin Leary, to me, is probably the best quarterback in the portal right now. Although Card. Uh, to me is, is kind of a clear two. I'm, I'm curious about Schley. Well, I think he's going to get more interest than people realize. Uh, is Hartman in the portal yet? No. no. And neither is Michael Pratt, right? The Tulane kid? Correct. Correct. I do predict that if they hit the portal, they will go By the go way, up. that is Colin Schley. You know, you've Sorry, mentioned Kent State quarterback. Yeah, yeah you've mentioned Schley oh, a lot. Every, now, but everybody's college Schley is a household name. The Kent. State I mean, on this podcast, we 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 cover the whole sport. I think I think our 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 diehard chat guys know know who Schley is. Yeah, but our All total right. listening audience exceeds Agreed. Yeah, the viewership <laughs> of most Kent State football games. Right. I, that is that is fair. Um. So, if Pratt and Hartman hit the board. I think they shoot up to the top. I think I think Pratt or Hartman will be the most desirable uh, quarterbacks in the portal if they go. Um, but we'll see if they do. Those are just names that are kind of floating around personnel offices right now. Uh, not that they're reaching out, but that they do they grade everybody just in case they were to hit the portal. You gotta gotta work ahead, right, boys? All right, uh, Johnny Cornelius, offensive tackle is an extremely tough spot to fill in the portal. He's at Rhode Island. 6'5", 315, reshaped his body. He looked good against Pitt, 
and that's a legitimate defensive line, especially early in the year before Pitt got all banged up. I think that's a game that helps people to uh, to be sold on him. He also faced and did okay against Jared Verse uh, last year, so before Verse became a household name on the defensive side of the ball at FSU. That's three for me. Uh, give me four. Dante Cephas is uh, is a name. Guys, Georgia has no transfers on its roster right now, and they like Cephas enough to offer him. That says a lot about what they think about him as a receiver. Six foot one. He's a burner. He has production. Uh, Notre Dame, Penn State, I think Washington, Oklahoma. Hey, all, th- all three of those teams faced him, right? So mm-hmm. they they kind of know what Cephas is. I would say he's one for sure. I'm trying to just give you some off-the-wall off names here. Kyle Morlock's a dude. If you need a, an inline tight end, I think that's 6'7", 250. Played for Shorter University. That's a D2 school, uh, but – People who have seen him are, are are pretty impressed. Is that four or five? I think it's four. Uh, I think Jaheim four. But I mean, yeah. we, we continue to highlight who is uh, on your board. Jaheim Bell uh, has to be looked at uh, as as one of the top guys. I think um, now South Carolina struggled to get him the football in terms of, of receptions. They they did, uh, and it was very obvious if you follow social media that he and, he and his fam were not real happy about his use. But then he played running back for the final three games and played it extremely well against Tennessee, Clemson, et, et cetera. He's clearly a good athlete. You got to find the right way to use him, keep him happy as far as production. But uh, Bell, the South Carolina tight end uh, slash H back type guy, is is going to be in, in demand. Did Spencer Sanders come anywhere close to cracking your consideration? I have not heard a lot about Spencer Sanders. I, I wonder if he doesn't stick around uh, until maybe the spring window, just to kind of be able to pick his spot. Just wait for other dominoes to fall. Yeah, exactly. Interesting. How many? How so, many of these transfers do you think are going to end up trying to land before? And by the way, for those who who are not um, caught up on this, this transfer window is open until January eighteenth. This is mm-hmm. basically going to run through when right up against when most teams are going to be starting their winter conditioning. And you know, Bud has mentioned before. You know, are these schools on the quarter system, the trimester system, semester system? What does it mean for being able to get into school? You know, if you even if you are in this window, you might not be able to get in and able to able to participate for spring practice. So the clock is running on all this stuff. How many of these guys do you expect to be able to land um, at a new location? Because I've also heard coaches say, if you're in the portal, you can still work out with us. You know, you can still practice with us. You know, you, you can still go through uh, all the team activities. But um, I don't know how long you would want to be in the portal, but also hanging around the facility. That can't be the most pleasurable experience. So what what some of these guys are going to find out is that academics do matter a little bit uh, because of what's called PTD, progress towards degree, and when you're accepting transfers kids have to have a certain level of progress towards their degree. It's much easier to get a younger kid in or younger player. And I probably should stop calling kids. I'll I'll work on that. I guess it's easier to get a younger player in because hypothetically he could make up more credit hours to get sort of back on track uh, for progress towards degree. If however, you're like a fifth year senior and you're still four or five classes short of a degree and you hit the portal as a non-grad transfer, you may find a hard time getting in a lot of places. You may need to take like a semester of online college. And I mean, honestly, if you're, if you're that short of a degree after five years, you may need to have somebody take those online classes for you, but your options are going to be greater as a graduate transfer in most cases, I think, Uh, because the school doesn't really care if you get your graduate degree, like the NCAA doesn't, they don't really care. Like, okay, cool. Like the guy failed to get his master's. It's one year. You guys let him in your graduate program. That's on him if he doesn't want to. They do somewhat care about progress towards the undergraduate degree. So if you see some of these guys that are hanging out in the portal for a long time and they're well-known players mm-hmm. and they're not, and it doesn't say grad transfer next to their name yet, put two and two together and figure out there may be something beyond just ability that's hampering their portal progress. I will say, going back to the question about getting in, like, I think it's important for every player who can to transfer and get in for spring and all that stuff just to get familiar with the playbook and all that kind of stuff. But I think for quarterbacks especially, I think if you asked any coach, they would rather have their new QB there for spring practice than wait until the summer for them to get there. Mm. Mm. 
Good notes. Um, we also have reporting that uh, on the coaching assistant coaching carousel front that Deion Sanders, who, of course, remember, got Sean Lewis, sitting head coach at Kent State, uh, on board as an offensive coordinator. For his defensive coordinator, reports indicate that he will be tapping longtime Nick Saban assistant Charles Kelly, who is an associate assistant head coach of the defense for the Crimson Tide, Charles Kelly, to be the defensive coordinator. But you've I don't know if you have a personal relationship with Charles Kelly, though you have certainly covered Kelly yeah. uh, from his time uh, at Florida State. Do you do you think this is a, a, a pretty good hire for the Buffs? M- Mike Zimmer, who had been an analyst at Jackson State with Deion Sanders, was initially sort of believed that he might be in the running. This this goes a different direction, but still brings in a pretty notable name and one with plenty of experience. Yeah, I, I think Charles Kelly can do a good job for them. Yeah, I, I think I think Kelly's a good coach. I, I thought he would have been considered for the Troy job when it opened uh, last time because he, he's a native you know, Alabama guy. I think he knows what he's doing. Um, at FSU, he got a bit of a bad rap, in my opinion, because of sort of the cultural rot that Jimbo was allowing to happen there in you know, 2015 to 2017, and that was the time when he was uh, you know tabbed there as the defensive coordinator following the, the national championship year. So uh, I think he can do a nice job there. And so much of this is going to depend on exactly what type of player, what type of like athlete Dion actually signs. We're hearing a lot of hype around it. Um, you know, so far, I haven't seen the actual names follow through. Now, he did get 2025 Winston Watkins to commit. That's Sammy Watkins' little cousin. But they're also from like the same neighborhood in Fort Myers, Florida, which is where I'm from, right? So, you know, like... Are you committing to Colorado? I, I may be committing to Colorado. Like, I could live in Boulder. That'd be, that'd be good, right? I mean, uh, you're going to have to ask for more NIL money. My name is Bud. It's not cheap like, to live there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The NIL opportunities for Bud in Boulder are yeah. tremendous. <laughs> yes. Um, but it, It'll just... like I, The quality of player you can get is going to matter there. I will note a couple things. We don't know what's going to happen NCAA-wise with, with Arizona State. Dillingham could totally kill it there if it's a clean slate. If they get rocked, then that's going to be tougher. We saw Arizona lose Dorian Singer. He was the Pac-12's leading receiver this year. He hit the portal. So that probably indicates that uh, maybe their NIL game with the Wildcats is not that great, I would guess. Typically, if you have really good NIL, you're going to keep players like that, especially because Jed Fish has an offense that already made you the leading receiver in the Pac-12. You know, so um, we'll have to see how the other programs that they're recruiting, there's no more divisions. So, right. But within that, like, kind of traditional way of thinking about it within the South, there are some questions at some other spots still. Well, that reminds me. Can I bring up something I wanted to mention too? Wasn't in the rundown talking about like Arizona, Arizona State. I would just like to point out something that happened yesterday that drove me insane, or not even insane, but just kind of got me. I, t- I texted it to you guys in the group thread. Everybody's in Vegas this weekend. You know, Emmert was talking. Brett Yormark was talking. George Klyovkov was talking. And Klyovkov was saying how Colorado hiring Dion will improve their television rights deal. And that's one of the reasons why they waited. Which, okay. Um, but the other one is, was Yormark, who in one sentence said that the Big 12 is still open to expansion and then mentioned how they would still love to be in all four time zones, which says, I was still interested in going after these Pac-12 schools. And then two seconds later was talking about the Rose Bowl putting itself above the sport. So this guy's trying to raid another conference for his own conference and then criticizing something else for not thinking of the sport as a whole. And not a damn person there called him on it. And it just pisses me off anyways i mean i'm a pac-12 guy one of brett yormark's bosses and he has 12 of them in the pac-12 big 12, i don't yeah. i don't want you i don't want you or excuse me big 12 like i don't want him to care about the rest of the sport i wanted to care about what that's is best fine. for my league that's but what we're paying you for but don't call out other people for doing it when you're doing the right. same damn thing it's, it's like it's totally so hypocritical right. and nobody yes. calls them on it and it drives me nuts because i'm i'm not a journalist never considered myself a journalist i'm a guy who writes and talks about college football but there are a lot of people there who are supposedly journalists who don't call them out because they're scared that he won't talk to them anymore if they do and it's and kevin warren does it kliavkov does it your mark does it sankey does it they all do it and they never get called out for it which is why they keep doing it 
Jim Phillips doesn't do it. He just says, uh, we're, we're, we're really focused on um, our Olympic sports and being uh, third place out of 32 is okay. Um, I will note one thing before we do the Army-Navy stuff. Uh, when we talked to the Aggies, I have back-to-back meetings at 10 and 10.30, so I don't always see stuff that happens right before we get on the show. Chris Marshall jumping in. He does fit in that uh, that class of guys who have been suspended. He was suspended the last five games. That that one hurts for sure. Like Chris Marshall is somebody who, if if he can kind of get on the focus train here, uh, he's a dude who has like all SEC caliber talent. Like that one will hurt the Aggies because their receiver development has been very bad under Jimbo. And honestly, like at FSU, it was terrible too. So uh, having a guy who has that much ready-made talent not work out is a blow. I didn't realize he had jumped in before we did the show. Keep your eyes on Marshall. Tom, update us. What is the latest count for service academies as it pertains to the total? Oh, well, let me, yeah, I should make this clear for all the other outlets that use this stat and never credit where they get it from. Uh, From 2005, the under in games between service academies is 43, 9, and 1. 43, 9, and 1. And Bud's going to tell you how it's going to be 43, 10, and 1 soon. So, Tom, clearly, because we are men of principle. Damn right. We love this country. We love this country. Unlike Bud, who hates it. We are going to be taking the under 32 and a half. Yes. Do you have a play on the side? Uh, Army. I know. I've got some classic chip line value over here where when it was a pick em, I was like, I don't know. I like the way that Army finished the season. They were really competitive against a good Troy team, won four out of their last six games. Navy got them last year when Army was a heavy favorite. So you've got a little bit of a revenge factor. No commander-in-chief trophy on the line. I'd Give me, give me the Black Knights. You know, Navy's riding high off that UCF win. Maybe that's why that's coming from. But at Pickham, I was like, Army. And then I start to see it, Navy minus one. Navy minus one and a half. Now it's Navy minus two and a half. So, I mean, I guess that I'll wait to see if we can get this out to a full three. But I, I like Army on the money line here. Do you, do, you, do you know why Navy's getting all that money? Why? Or where it's coming from? Are you ready for this? Are you ready for this? Yeah. Offshore. Oh, <laughs> Thomas, yeah. that, is, that is well done, buddy. Yeah. Um, I, so, Bud, what's what's your uh, what's your read on this game? All right, I, I agree that service academy unders is a tremendous trend, and I think there's there's reason for it, as Tom typically says, which is that these teams know each other; they do play differently than you can typically model uh, in these things, and you should manually adjust what you do here. However. I have seen this all over CBS all week and all over ESPN and all over ABC. And it does beg the question, at what number would you stop betting the under? Would you ever bet an over in a service academy game? What would the number have to be? Because I I want to point out, when this trend started, these these numbers were often 42, Mm -hmm. 44, 38 and a half, 39. In recent years, this game has gone over 32 quite a bit, right? So 2019, it went over. Let's see, 2016, it went over. 2015, it went over. 2013, it also went over. 2011, it went over. 2012, uh, push. All right, and then I go to another string of service academy games here. 2021, it would have gone over. Uh, 2018, missed by a point. 2016 is an over. 2013 is an over. 2012 is an over. 2011 is an over. And then going to the final one here, we got a good number of overs as well. 2020, 2019, 2017. 2017 was a burner, by the way, between Navy and Air Force, 48, 45. Look, I think that this is just priced into the number a little bit too heavily. And I think the trend makes a lot of sense, but the number also has to make sense. So I'm going to go, I'm going to do it. I'm going to take the over 32. It's not something I'm betting heavily, by the way. Fight, fight, fight. An un American lock fight. Okay, so. Go ahead. Uh, That last comment in the chat, if they only knew. Um, Anyway. (laughs) Oh, man. Um, 17 14 is a winner 
for Tom and Chip. 17 to 10 is a winner for Tom and Chip. There's a lot of ways that we can get to 31. It's going to be tough to get to 33. <sighs> yeah, I I could see like like 20 to 14. 20 to you're asking for four whole touchdowns. You know what happens when you get it? Four touchdowns. Oh my see, that's the thing you asked what what, one defensive score gets us there. You asked me, you asked what the total would have to be for me to consider taking the over 27 and a half. That's when I would start considering the over. So we still have a pretty good golf here. Uh, Mm -hmm. but like I, yeah, I I thought you were going to say something like 30 or. 29 and a half. Okay. No, I will still take the under when it's at 27 and a half, but I'm saying that's when I would be like, eh. What about the side, bud? Do you have a, do you have a lean one way or the other? I honestly, like I've been kind of impressed with what Navy has done down the stretch. Uh, defensively. I, I liked what they did against the Irish in the second half. I thought they played pretty well against, uh, against UCF. Them getting their quarterbacks hurt doesn't really seem to impact them. It's just it's like clones. Um, so I'm kind of leaning Navy a little bit, but not, not enough to bet it. We will, of course, be dialed in, and you can watch the Army-Navy game, America's game, on CBS. You can stream it on Paramount+. Plus. Uh, kickoff is at 3 p.m. Eastern time. Watch CBS Sports HQ starting at 2.30. There are some handsome handsome gentleman that will be on that show mr tom fernelli and myself as we get you set for all the action in army navy cbs sports hq uh to watch the pregame show with us and then uh flip it over to paramount plus so that you can watch the game itself or uh watch it on cbs and you can follow him on twitter at tom fernelli you can follow him at bud elliott three you can follow me at chip underscore patterson gentlemen thank you very much I would like to thank the troops, but doesn't. Trade me a record. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. 